Good morning. I hope you're all doing well this morning. I'm really glad for this opportunity to be able to come and share once again. Trinity is a, a place you have been faithfully standing with us, partnering with us, standing alongside of us. And as Pastor was already sharing, you know, this past year and a half, or even a little bit more, has been especially traumatic and difficult when it comes to the context of war. And when I think about a church like Trinity in the context of serving Ukrainian refugees in the country of Poland, I think we could not have done the ministry or could be doing the ministry that God has called us to do without a church like Trinity and other partners and churches that stand with us. And that's not just a statement of finances. Yes, finances plays a role, especially when you're talking about working with refugees and humanitarian aid and things of that nature. In this church, you have been faithful in, in those areas. But praying for us, standing with us in prayer, um, I, I can't emphasize enough or thank you enough for doing exactly that. So praise the Lord and thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your partnership. Uh, before I continue on, I, I just want to mention, you guys are all looking at me and you're probably thinking, what in the world is that guy wearing up there? <laughs> this is actually a Ukrainian vushivanka. It's a traditional, Esther has one on, a, a woman's version on, and uh, it's a traditional Ukrainian outfit, uh, hand embroidered, and uh, it, it is a representative of Ukrainian culture, Ukrainian identity, Ukrainian history, Ukrainian language. Ukrainians love to wear these. They just celebrated their, their uh, uh, Independence Day from, uh, from when the former Soviet Union, from when the Soviet Union collapsed. And uh, I have pictures of this last week on the 24th. Uh, I have pictures from Poland and from Ukraine, and virtually every single person is wearing a shirt like this. Uh, men, women, children, and so forth. So it's a celebration of Ukraine. And, and as we come and talk about what God's been doing in Poland and through the Ukrainian people and through the Ukrainian church, I just wanted to represent that well here today. I also wanted to share with you a, a resource. We have a table in the back. When you go out the door over to the right, you'll find a resource table with Mission Eurasia brochures, just a few. You'll see a sign-up sheet where you can sign up to get our newsletter. We'd love to keep, if you're not personally connected with us, we'd love to connect with you so that you can pray, maybe individually. Uh, we'd love to have you sign up. But there's also a book back there. Now, this book resource was written just before... Uh, well, a couple of years before the war started, and it's really about a history in Russia. And you might think, well, what's the point of that in this context of a Ukrainian, of a war in Ukraine that Russia has caused? Well, there's a lot of really good history and background, cultural, religious uh, context during Soviet times, during the 90s, during the 2000s, in the last 15 years, and so forth. So please grab one. It's completely free. We don't want to take any back on the plane when we go back to Michigan tomorrow. So make sure there's none left sitting on the table back there. Go ahead and grab this as a great resource. And before I continue, I'd just like to stop for just a moment and pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this church. I thank you for the faithfulness in supporting and praying for us, for Ukraine, for the Ukrainian people, for an end to this war. I thank you for a heart for your word. I thank you for a heart for your gospel that exists in this place. But I pray also today 
that you would open up our perspectives, open up our eyes, open up my eyes, open up my heart even more to know how, it, how you desire us to live today. Not because of what's happening in Ukraine, but because of what your word commands, what you command, what salvation in Jesus Christ, how it transforms our lives and makes us uh, people, your people, and that we have an opportunity and a privilege and a joy to be obedient to follow Christ by faith. So Lord, help us to step out. And Lord, I pray right now that the words of my heart, the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart, that they would be acceptable to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. Let's see here. Go. So, I'd like you to meet a family, some friends of mine that I have known now for the last, I'd say about 27 years. I've known them, Esther and I have known them, or at least I've known Pastor Alex since we first arrived in Ukraine back in 1997. Pastor Alex is the older gentleman in the picture in the top. He's looking at his wife, Irina, and they have a lot of kids and they have a number of grandkids. They're a family just like maybe one of us right here in this room. Of course, he's a pastor. Pastor Alex is a worship leader, and not just any worship leader. He, he's a worship leader, has been the worship leader of the largest Baptist church in all of Ukraine in central Kiev, a church of about 2,000 people. He directs a choir, directs an orchestra there, but he also trains up worship leaders, whether it's for a praise band or for a choir or for orchestra, all over Ukraine. He's the go-to person. He has a school that meets right in that church, and he's a wonderful man of God who, who loves, loves to draw people, to bring people to the throne of God to worship him in all of his glory. This is Pastor Alex, a wonderful brother. At five in the morning, on February 24th, 2022, just a few days over 18 months ago, Pastor Alex and his family, almost all of his family, were home that night. His kids and a few of their grandkids even were in the house sleeping at five o'clock in the morning. And they heard this rumble and this, the rumble quickly got, got louder and got faster. And this rush right over their house in the city of Erpine, just on the suburbs, on the outskirts of Kiev. And this, this rush of, of, of sound went by. And within a second or two, they heard massive explosions, which turned out to be explosions over at the nearby military airbase just outside the city limits of Erpine. Pastor Alex was frightened. He didn't know what was going on at first. They talked about war. We'd all heard about the possibilities of war in the West on, on media. And all of a sudden, instantaneously, I would say, he probably recognized what was happening. His family ran into the room. You know, kind of like kids would run into mom and dad's bedroom when there's a lightning storm and there's loud thunder and they all jump on the bed. But this thunder was much louder. This sound, this explosion that they heard and as, as he looked into his children, adult children and grandchildren's eyes, he didn't know exactly what to do. And as he thought for just a second, he said, let's just pray. And so Pastor Alex, Irina, their children, their grandchildren all got down on their knees and they began to pray. And they began to call out to God, God, we don't know what's happening. We hear explosions just a few kilometers from our house, it sounds. Actually, it sounds like they're right next door. 
show us what to do. Show us where to go. Pastor Alex finished praying. And as soon as he finished praying, he got up and he and the Lord gave him words to say, words of encouragement, words from the word of God to his kids and grandkids. And then he said, we need to gather all of our things and we don't have a lot of space. We don't have a lot of car space. We have a couple of cars with a couple of families that are living here. Gather all of our things in just, a, just one backpack per person. One backpack. Everything and anything that's the most important to you. Leave behind the things that are unimportant and just take the things that you count as most important. Put them in that backpack and we're going to leave in an hour. Now imagine this family. Imagine yourself in that situation. But imagine this family. Pastor Alex is a musician, but his family, all of his kids are musicians as well. And they play the violin and they play the cello and they play all different kinds of instruments. And dad said, we're not going to have space to take all of that. They were able to take one violin with them. And aside from that, they weren't able to take those instruments. Kids, adult children who have been playing, practicing on this instrument that has become an extension of their own hands, you can't even take that with you. That hour passed. They put those backpacks, those duffel bags, in the car, and they left. And Pastor Alex, as he sat with Esther and I a year ago, sharing this story with us when we first saw him in, in March, just after the war began, sat and shared that I could just tell the Spirit of God saying, don't look back. Like, like from Genesis, when God told Lot not to look back, as the city was being destroyed behind him. Don't look back. He said, what God is saying to Alex, what I have for you is what's in front, not what's behind. They left, they crossed the border, which, of course, if you remember from the news stories, that was a harrowing event in and of itself. Multiple days just to cross borders because the lines were, were miles and miles and miles long. Landed in, in, the, in Warsaw, in Poland, and our first trip in is when we bumped into and saw our dear friend once again. Pastor Alex was sitting down and, and sitting and talking to us and uh, sharing with us his heart for ministry, his heart to reach out to Ukrainians. He said, let's do a concert here in Warsaw. And he gathered together people from his choirs and from his orchestras over the years, right in the city of Warsaw, at this church that went from 200 before the war, Ukrainian language church, 200 before the war, now over 600. We need to reach out to Ukrainians. We need to encourage Ukrainians. Let's do a concert. So he puts on this big concert. Just before the big concert began, you know what he found out? That his home back in Irpin was completely destroyed. It was on the day when the city was liberated. The city was liberated and there was a great battle right on the street where Alex's home was and his home and many others were destroyed. Imagine that horrible situation and here he is about to do this outreach concert and he finds out that his home is in this condition but he continued forward because he wanted to be faithful with what was before him not what was behind him. The neighborhood up and down the street was destroyed. But Pastor Alex, he's taught me what faith is about. He's taught me a lot about faith. And a lot of other Ukrainian brothers and sisters, not all of them, but a lot of other Ukrainian brothers and sisters have taught me 
and I'm hoping to share some of their stories with you today, what living by faith is really about. Pastor Alex is now living in the United States, not too far from here in Rhode Island. And he called me a few months ago and he said, Don, you'll never believe the opportunities I have. I'm in an ESL class and in my class are people from Yemen and Afghanistan and Iraq. And you know what we're able to do? We're able to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with those neighbors, with those other students that we're working with. A brother who's lost everything. There's no insurance. If you think that there's insurance to cover this loss, there isn't. He has nothing to go back to. Pastor Alex and many others have taught me, in this great cloud of witnesses of Ukrainian brothers and sisters, they've taught us how to live in dependence, how to live bold faith, how to live in the midst of suffering, how to persevere. I'd like to share and talk today about faith. Because our Ukrainian brothers and sisters are teaching us, but the word of God is even more powerful and more capable and more able. It is the word of God. In Hebrews 10, beginning in verse 35, I just want to read this as an introduction. So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere. So that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. For in just a very little while, he who is coming and will not delay, but my righteous one will live by faith. And then verse 39 that you see up on the screen. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but are of those who believe and are saved. Belief. Faith. Like I said, I want to talk about faith today. And the very next verse is the key verse in all of Scripture that teaches us what faith is all about. Let's read that verse together. Hebrews 11.1 1. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. What a wonderful verse, simple verse. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. There's a simple little comma in there. And that comma kind of splits the verse into two parts. And we learn what faith is about from this. You know, in our generations, in our country, in our world, we hear that faith is believing in yourself. We hear that faith is positive self-talk. But the Word of God preaches a very different message, teaches us a very different truth. The first part, the assurance of things hoped for. This part speaks about confirmed knowledge, knowing something to be true, knowing the future to be true, knowing the promises of God that will happen in the future, being sure of the fact that they will come about. John MacArthur writes, this Greek word here refers to the essence, the real content, the reality, as opposed to mere appearance. Faith, then, provides the firm ground on which we stand, waiting for the fulfillment of God's promise. Far from being nebulous and uncertain, faith is the most solid possible conviction. Faith is the present essence of a future reality. The Ukrainian Bible translates this word, assurance, very, very well. It, it, It uses this word, pidstava, or foundation. Faith is the foundation on which, on which we stand, and it is a firm foundation. 
We don't just think or, or nebulously hope that God's promises are true. We know that his promises are true and will come about. God works all things together for good for those who are called according to his purposes from Romans. That is true, and we can depend upon that. He says in the book of Matthew 28, I will be with you until the end of the day, and he is with us now. That is a promise now and a promise for all eternity. The testing of your faith produces endurance, making us perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Suffering, trials, difficulties. God will use those things in our lives to draw us to himself, to make us perfect and complete. And of course, the promise of being all eternity with God. We can be assured that that is a reality. And we can be assured that those who don't know Christ, once they know, once they believe, once they repent, that they too will have that reality in their lives. For the believer, our faith, our hope, it's 100% guaranteed. We know what's coming. So faith is confirmed knowledge, yes. But it's something else, the second part. The conviction of things not seen. I love that word conviction. You know, when we talk about a conviction, we're talking about something that we're willing to, to die for. Or maybe more so as believers, something that we're willing to live for. It has to do with our response. In the first part of faith, it talks about our knowledge, confirmed knowledge. Our hope is sure. But in the second part, conviction speaks about how we respond to that knowledge. Do we act out on faith? Do we live by faith? John MacArthur writes here as well. Conviction of things not seen carries the same truth from the first part a little bit further because it implies a response, an outward manifestation of the inward essence, inward assurance. The person of faith lives his belief. His life is committed to what his mind and his spirit are convinced is true. Again, the Ukrainian Bible has a really good version or a good translation of this. It says dokas or evidence. How do we know when something is evidence? When we can see it, when we can hear it, when we can touch it. So our faith is not only knowledge, something that we believe up here, but our faith must show people, show each other what we believe, actions. So faith, so, um, so faith is, comes in two parts. Confirmed knowledge, but not just knowledge, the actions that we take, the actions that we do. If we were to spend the next few minutes unpacking this, this passage, unpacking the entire book of, uh, uh, the entire chapter of chapter 11, we would read through and how Abraham stepped out by faith when God said, go to a country that I will show you. And he left his home and he left his country and he left his people and he took his wife and he left. And how by faith, God gave him a son in his old age. And how by faith he offered up that son knowing that God could have even raised him from the dead because he was the child of the promise. And by faith, Moses didn't consider all of the riches of Egypt to be something to be grasped, but rather by faith wanted to go to a country and a promise that God had for him. 
We can go on and on and on about the different concepts, concepts here in this chapter, chapter 11. In the final verses, we read about those who endured trials, imprisonment, mockery, persecution, impoverished. We read about these Old Testament saints. And in chapter 12, we'll, we'll see that we are to look at these Old Testament saints. And I would encourage you to go home today, read chapter 11. Wonderful chapter. In chapter 12, we'll look at it at the end in just a few minutes. It, it, and it, it reminds us of the great cloud of witnesses that surrounds us, pointing back to chapter 11. But I also want to point to some of our Ukrainian brothers and sisters in Christ. Not that they, not that they exist in the inspired word of God, but they can give us a testimony and example of how to live by faith. What do I mean? I'm going to tell you a little bit about Ukraine, share some stories with you, if that's okay. You got time? <laughs> we went to Ukraine first in 1997, and the Lord opened up some doors. I'd love to share more details about this particular story, but Hope Church was birthed out of a Ukraine that was moving powerfully towards God. The movement, the Ukrainian movement, the evangelical movement is the most powerful and the largest in Europe. Did you know that? Ukrainian evangelical church, the largest evangelical church in all of Europe. We saw evidence of it in, in the early 2000s when, when Hope Church was first birthed. When we saw we had a children's outreach and we in, wanted to invite 30 kids to show up and we ended up with 200 kids and over the course of the next few months, we began to see their parents and adults coming and listening and wanting to hear more about what God was doing. And ultimately, within two years, this was Hope Church. That's just one church, one place. But thousands of churches, tens of thousands of churches have been planted in Ukraine in just the last 30 years since the fall of the Soviet Union. Mission Eurasia has been involved. This is our Mission Eurasia headquarters in the city of Erpin. And Mission Eurasia has been involved for these last 30 years in equipping leaders, equipping the next generation of leaders to be intentional followers of Jesus Christ, but also equipping them to plant and establish churches, to do outreach, discipleship, evangelism. And we've seen great fruit in all of that. Did you also know the Ukrainian church has sent out, I don't know the exact number, but has sent out thousands of missionaries over the last 30 years. Almost all of the churches planted in Siberia and Far East Russia, yes, Russia, were planted by Ukrainian missionaries. And some of those Ukrainian missionaries are still there today in the midst of all of the chaos that is happening in Russia. This is the kind of movement that God has allowed the Ukrainian church to be involved with. And so when we look at the news today and we see battles taking place, we see buildings being destroyed, we see marketplaces and schools and hospitals being targeted, we have to know something. It's not just a war where people die. This is a spiritual battle. Satan does not want the Ukrainian church to continue moving forward in the ways that it has in these last decades. As I mentioned, that's the Mission Eurasia headquarters. The Mission Eurasia headquarters was two blocks, two doors down from Pastor Alex. The building was completely destroyed, as you can see, when the city of Erpin was liberated. 
I don't know if you know this, thinking and talking more about the spiritual warfare, the spiritual difficulties that are happening in the country of Ukraine. Just before the war started, in the Donbass and in Crimea, the European Evangelical Alliance, this is November 2021, just a few months before the war, said that the most persecuted, the most repressed location in all of Europe for the Church of Jesus Christ was in those occupied territories. So understand what Russia has been trying to do intentionally, trying to destroy the church of Jesus Christ, trying to stop the spread of the gospel. When the building was destroyed, we discovered this. We had a warehouse. Those are gospels of John on the right side. And they were pulled, they were pulled out of the warehouse so they could put armaments inside the Mission Eurasia headquarters. They actually used it as a barracks, the Russian soldiers, for a period of time. And they burned these Bibles, these New Testaments that were intended to share the gospel of Christ. In occupied territories, in the, in the city of Mariupol, this church on the left, you see the cross up on the top, it was confiscated just after Mariupol fell, just over a year ago. And after, after they confiscated it, they removed the cross and they began to paint these, these propaganda slogans and put soldiers right on the front of a church. Just in the last two weeks, two weeks ago, the former head, the retired head of the Russian Baptist Union, Russian, not Ukrainian, Russian Baptist Union, his home was raided, and they were looking to arrest him for his spreading of propaganda as an anti-war proponent. But this is a brother in Christ. This would be like a Sean Carpenter, or maybe like a John Piper. Thankfully, he had gotten wind of it and was able to run before and he's in Germany safely right now. The spiritual battle continues. 494 places of worship have been either bombed, destroyed, looted, or confiscated. These are the kinds of things that are happening. But I don't want to focus too much on that. I want to focus more on what God is doing. In the last year and a half, Mission Eurasia through a network of 12 hubs and working with hundreds of churches and thousands of volunteers all over the country, has been able to distribute over 250,000 of these boxes. And every one of those boxes has at least one piece of literature. That's a New Testament, and next to it is a children's Bible. And you've helped helped participate in this. We've provided thousands of uh, wood-burning stoves at Christmas time or in January. The missionary offering from this church helped provide dozens and dozens of wood-burning stoves that were put mostly into these hubs and churches so that people could come to a warming center, get warmth. We had generators where they could charge their phones, and they also heard the Word of God. These are the kinds of things that are happening. I was in Ukraine in May, yes, during the war, and I was at a conference in south, south um, western Ukraine in Chernovtsi, where 350 Ukrainians came together. These are brothers and sisters who are every day giving all that they can so that the Ukrainian people can hear the gospel of Christ, can be discipled, but so that they can also be helped with food and aid and meals, and the list goes on and on and on. Ukrainian brothers and sisters in Christ who are living out their faith. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Other stories. This is a a building right down the street from Hope Church. This was one of the first bombs that that landed on the city of 
Kiev when the war first started, right down the street from Hope Church. Pastor Andre at that church sheltered 40, 50, 60 people in the basement on a, on a daily basis. They shared the gospel. They saw people come to Christ in the basement of the church while they were seeking shelter, afraid of what would come tomorrow. Ultimately, Pastor Andre and his wife, Alla, fled to Switzerland. And in Switzerland, there was a group of about 150 Ukrainians at one refugee center, and he had a vision and a heart to reach them for Christ. There was a Catholic church just down the street, typical Catholic church, and he met the pastor there, the priest. Can I use your building to gather some people on a weekly basis, on a regular basis? He said, yes. And this church, Ukrainian church, was planted in Switzerland. And you know what's really cool? Pastor Andre then would go and preach at this Catholic church on a regular basis. A Baptist brother in Christ preaching at the mass at a Catholic church. God is working in powerful ways. Reminds me of the book of Acts. You remember these stories. Stephen, he was stoned. It was a terrible occurrence. He preached the gospel. He was stoned. He died. The church, seeing what was happening as this persecution broke out in the beginning of chapter 8, and the church was scattered and went all over the place. But what happened as that church scattered? And those who had been scattered did what? Preached the word wherever they went. And we're seeing Ukrainian brothers and sisters that are going, they're preaching, they're sharing the gospel of Christ. In Poland, where we're working, Esther and I, I want to be clear with you, we're with Mission Eurasia. It's a Slavic mission organization. We are the only ones in Poland who are non-Ukrainian or Belarusian. We have some Belarusians as well. Our team is all Ukrainians. Most of them are refugees themselves. In the last year and a half, we have been able to serve and help over 100,000 families by distributing food packages, by providing trauma counseling and training, by providing uh, language uh, studies for Polish language, for integration, for training for job uh, seeking in Poland so people can get jobs. And the list goes on and on, and we're continuing to do these ministries. God has opened up doors and we've shared the gospel of Christ and have seen at the, a meeting like this one down in this one room that, that is in our church there in Warsaw. We've seen women just recently coming forward and saying, I've seen what you, what you do and I hear what you preach and I want to believe. And they're giving their lives to Christ. And as Pastor Sean already mentioned, camps last summer, this summer. This is a camp that Esther and I were involved with at the beginning of July, we had 80 kids coming together. And on the last night of camp, when the call to repentance and pray came, nearly one-third of that camp prayed to receive Jesus. Kids, these are kids, understand. These are children whose fathers are over still in Ukraine because they weren't allowed to leave the country. Only moms, only kids, only senior citizens or maybe the handicap, were able to flee and leave the country. So moms, so dads and husbands are still left in Ukraine. These kids are traumatized, and one-third of them giving their lives to Christ. Praise the Lord for what he's doing in the midst of difficulty. And praise the Lord for the Ukrainian church who continues to be an example in all of these kinds of things. 
I could go on and share stories until, until 2 o'clock in the afternoon. When I was in Central... What was that? Go ahead. Okay, all right. Are you going to turn the lights off? <laughs> no. God is at work. Brothers and sisters, like you and me, doing something simple and miraculous, living by faith, knowing God's promises to be true, but then living intentionally, acting on that truth. What are, some of the, what are some of the lessons that we can learn? What are some of the lessons and things that we can take away from, from the Hebrews 11 uh, Hall of Faith and, and from what we've seen and heard of our Ukrainian brothers and sisters? Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. We'll close with this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us, what's our response? Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Three takeaways as we fix our eyes on Jesus. First one. As we look and as we listen and as we hear about the faith of brothers and sisters in Christ under persecution, or again, the book of Hebrews and what we, read in, what we can read in chapter 11, what do we see? New priorities. It says, cast off the sins, cast off the things that, that encumber us, cast off the things that hold us back. Stop doing the things that hinder our walk and our faithful response to God. Pastor Alex gave us a great example of that, didn't he? One backpack. Take only the most important things that you have, the things that you treasure most. What would you put in your backpack? What would you put in your backpack? Pastor Alex's wife, she did. She put, I heard Bible just now. She put her big Bible, it was a thicker Bible. You know, I know a lot of us have our, our, our tablets or... or um, our phones and things like that, and so it's simpler to carry, but she wanted her big Bible because it had all of her notes from decades and decades of study and building a relationship with God, so that's what she took. What are the things that we would take, and what are the things that we should leave out? And, and, and that's kind of a, an analogy as well. What are the things that hinder us? What are the things that we waste our time with? What are the things that really are not important in the broad scheme of things that we can put to the side so that we can serve the Lord by faith. New priorities. Complete dependence. Complete dependence. <laughs> Looking unto Jesus. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. Pastor Alex, again, he didn't know what to do. Crisis situation. Peter, he's going down in the water. He said, real simply, Jesus, help. 
That's essentially what Pastor Alex did when he got down on his knees that morning when the bombs were exploding a few kilometers away from his house. Complete dependence. God calls us to complete dependence. I see it throughout the Word of God that, that we cannot do it on our own. Ukrainian brothers and sisters are saying, we can't do this on our own. I said when I got here this morning, when I first started preaching, Esther and I can't do this ministry. It is hard with trauma, with difficulties, with, with people who are losing their lives. You know, we had a girl give her life to Christ at camp. And on the last day of camp, and we were driving home, driving, taking the kids back to the city after the camp was over, we found out that morning that her father had died on the front. A little girl who had given her life to, life to Christ. Trauma, difficulty. I remember getting back to the church, and Pastor, Pastor Misha, our pastor there in Warsaw, was standing with his, her mom. She didn't know what had happened yet. We knew when we got there. They went and talked to her and prayed with her. And Pastor Misha just told me recently, he's still keeping in touch with this family, trying to encourage them. But it's difficult. We need to be in complete dependence upon God. But really, brothers and sisters, that's our call, each and every one of us, to be in complete dependence upon him. And the last one, bold faith, perseverance. Run with perseverance, the race that is marked off with us, marked off before us. Fix our eyes on Jesus. Jesus. He saw the cross. He knew it was coming. But he also saw beyond the cross. And therefore was willing to go through it. And we're to follow his example. He lived boldly. He continued down the path that God had given to him. And God is calling us to faithfully and boldly move down the path that he has given to us. I met those 350 Ukrainian refugees. I'm sorry, not refugees, but Ukrainian ministers in Ukraine in the month of May at that conference. You saw the pictures just a few minutes ago. And some of them are going into those hardest places. And they are taking food and stoves and coats And they're telling me about how they have to shelter people while bombs are going off. And then as things calm down, throw everyone in a van real quickly, evacuate them from that area, and go. Living boldly. Living faithfully. You know, God calls us to live boldly. He calls us to persevere. He calls us to press on. Our culture is pressing in on us. I know it. We watch the news every day. We see the politics. We see all of this crisis and the corruption. We, we see uh, uh, the moral decay that is happening. <coughs> what is the answer to all of those problems, all of those woes, all of those difficulties? It's not how we vote. It's how we live boldly. Perseverance following Christ faithfully. You're probably looking at that picture, that picture and wondering what that is. That's actually Pastor Alex's house. About four months after the terrible day when they found out, well, of course, the terrible day when it was, when it was destroyed, it may not have been the very same day. The heat in their home was immense. It would have killed anything in there. Their daughter went back, and one of the older daughters actually entered, returned to Ukraine for a brief period of time before they emigrated to the United States. 
And she went and saw the house, and she looked and she saw this little shoot coming right up from the ashes. And Pastor Alex said, oh, that just, that's a picture, so much of a picture of the hope that we have. Our hope is sure. We can be sure in our minds that what God has promised will come to pass, and the request or call to us is to live by that faith, total dependence upon him. Let's pray together. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we do thank you for a message of faith from your word. The assurance of things hoped for. The conviction of things not seen. Lord, help us to know, to believe your promises deep in our hearts, deep in our minds, but not just let that stay in our hearts and minds, but let that translate or move us, motivate us, drive us to live intentionally for Christ. So Lord, we commit ourselves to you and we commit the rest of this day to you. And Father, I want to pray right now for Ukraine. As they continue to struggle, it's not all roses. It's hard. We pray for an end to this war. We pray for your watch care, your protection, that you would wrap your arms around brothers and sisters in Christ, that they would continue to be bold, that they would continue to look to you and follow you. We pray this in Jesus' name.